Hello and welcome to Columbus Local Podcast, episode number 25. And it is my great pleasure today to have the Reverend C. Barton Love and Chris. I, I you know, I'm gonna call you Chris right. now, but um, thanks for coming, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I, I think, um, you know, we're both Westerville guys. Yep. I'm a little older than you are, um, but, uh, you know, uh, You've been away. You're back now in town. Um, I'm looking forward to to some music. What are you? Yeah. Are you uh, have you met re re engaged with with some folks? Yeah, I'm gonna be. I've been working with a guy named Neil Preston and Jack Johnston, um, and he's been recording me for a while. He's been recording me for a while, and so Neil and I've been working on the drum parts until Jack can get ready, and uh, yeah, just getting everything back. I've been playing solo in my house for the last four years so i haven't been on a stage for quite a while yeah well it's gonna i'm looking forward to seeing you back out live we do have a show with the devil's payroll reunion um at the next lost weekend records anniversary show at natalie's so we'll be on the big stage the first band oh awesome do you have a date for that it's march 23rd of 24 yeah 2024 yeah Oh, great. I'm going to mark my calendar, man. It's going to be yeah. a good show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that'll be great. So who's the, you, know, you have the lineup uh, solidified? Yeah, it's every, everybody's coming everybody back. Everybody back. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, no, thank you. We're <laughs> yeah. not going to start practicing until January or something, but, you know, it's going to be fun to, to get back together with those guys. Oh, sure. So you got, so that's um, the, the liquor. The, um, is that which which, which It would be Ron Brzozowska. Chris Cox and Billy from the Mathematics now. Yep. And then Joe Mismas on keyboards, and I'm working on the sax player. I don't know if he's going to come back or not, but we'll see what we can do. I gotcha. Um, so uh, the skillet liquors, then. So you're you're reengaged uh, there. With Devil's Payroll. Devil's Payroll. Gotcha, man. Yeah, we changed the name because that racist overtones that. I uh, uh, gotcha. Gid Tanner had back in the '30s. So. Right on. Didn't know that when we picked the name of the band. So, yep. <laughs> Time to change. Yeah. I've got a song recorded with uh, Yorma Kalkinen called Devil's Payroll. So, that's, Good deal. Uh, that's where it came from. Yeah, looking forward to that show, man. Me too. Um, so good. So you got that, and you and you're um, you're dabbling with uh, you know getting getting some else on the side, right? Yep. I've been writing a couple songs and came. I wrote a whole one in a week, which hasn't happened. in three or four years probably so yeah um that was cool and then uh neil and i are just practicing with acoustic guitar and drums right now working on stuff do what you let it fill in yeah naturally yep see we need a bass player and then you know i'm i got a couple people i'm going to ask do some filling in you'll probably be one of them that's cool. Like guest guest people. Oh, I'd love to, man. Yeah. I would. Yeah. yeah, if you can tolerate my uh, my physical uh, limitations. Of course you can. <laughs> my energy level is in my in my mind is there, but my body's not cooperating right now. Uh, your fingers are doing it, man. But so. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd love to, man. Yeah. And if and if it works out great, if it doesn't, just be honest with me. Well, I mean, what we're gonna do is like have a core of like the the drums, me, and a guitar or a bass player probably, and then have guests come in and do leads and you know play some songs i you know got some yard birds and some stuff like that you know fantastic so yeah i would be honored yeah i'll do it fantastic yeah all right good deal well you know chris i i dude i've met you a long time ago and even though we're westerville guys um and we have a lot of um common friends um and you're you're um i would say um, a pretty recognizable force in Columbus music. Well, I appreciate that. You got a lot of lot of fans, right? I'm one. Of, I've always been one of them. I I mean I. It's I the stuff I play is if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't probably so, right you know it's Stonesy Ramonesy George Jonesy that's what I call it exactly garage but grass gro- but the groove is there. The energy is there. Yeah. You know, it's a fun time. I try to keep the songs, you know, so I can play more. So the songs are shorter so I can play more songs, you know. It's, 
you know, even the covers I pick, I try to pick short covers. So. Yeah. Yeah. And keep the, keep the energy popping yep. for that tune and, and uh, take a breath. Yeah. Do a quick tune and roll to the next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, that two bar, like Buck Owens guitar leads are, that's art to me, you know. If you can express yourself in those in that short amount of time that much, you know. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, I credit you for teaching me a lot of things. Um, one of which is less is more, which yeah. is what I think you're you're speaking to there. Right. It. Not that I, I mean I I think I overplay myself, but you know I can tell other people not to. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but if if you're if you're playing leads, that's my opinion. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be busy. Right. If you can make one note, hum or or, or flow. come alive or whatever, and keep it there, then listen. I mean, Gary Moore, you know that dude. Oh, he can sing as you know as well as he plays. It's just that that guy blew me away. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, you know, you've sold me a lot of equipment too. I mean, uh, there's just been a lot of Chris in my musical, you know appreciation box and uh, over the years and i you know i appreciate i appreciate the all the all the time you've spent with me over the years with with uh education and um you know just sharing your knowledge well it's i mean i was working at shops and i feel like you're supposed to take time with customer you know and you get to know people and you get friends you have for life that way you know I yeah. mean, they're not coming to you because you're a salesman they're coming to you because you're their friend and you took time to yeah, you're yeah. a trusted uh, expert, and in, I try in to these, in these areas. And I, I won't. I'm, I'll tell you straight up if I don't like something, right? You know, I'll say that guitar's a piece of shit, <laughs> and I don't think you should buy it, man. You know, spend a hundred dollars more and buy the other one, or wait. You know, right? Or you know, I, I'm very opinionated when it comes to pretty much anything that has to do with music. So. Well, you know, when I was learning too, and we, we talked about this earlier, um, you know, I learned a lot from. Billy Spitfire. Oh yeah, and Heath. Yeah, Heath Mullen. Yeah, Heath McMullen. Yeah, right. Um, next, old next door neighbor. Yep, and uh, those guys and yourself were like, you know, get off that modeler, get yourself a real tube amp. Yeah, and learn the dynamics of playing something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it took a little time. Um, <laughs> I was the guy, you know, uh, playing in Heath band. Um, we, uh, we would, we would gig pretty frequently, but I'd have a different rig every time right. because I couldn't find the right, the right oh, I did the same the right situation. I can't even tell you how many hundreds of guitars have gone through my hands and amps, so. but I've had, the, I've had the same rig now for, for some time, That's like a number of years. Right. And it's, it's a really cool workhorse, solid tube. Yep. Dr. Z. Yeah. Maz 18. Yep. They're great. Angles. Straight up class A amp and it, um, it's been a real, real workhorse for yeah. me. It's been great, but that was, you know, that was coaching that I learned from people like yourself. Right. I appreciate that. Well, that's what friends are for. Yeah, and you were like, I remember when I bought that Z, and I, you came to one of my shows. I think I was playing a, a Vox Night Train. Uh huh. Which in a, in a, not in a, a bad big, amp either. It's not a bad amp, but I think you pulled me aside and said, you know, that's not a bad amp, Len. <laughs> but where's your Z? Oh yeah, you were like leave, leave that, leave that, leave that. Don't play any shows without that Doctor Z. And I was thinking he's probably right. Like, what am I saving it for? Right. <laughs> the, tube, the tubes are only going to get better the hotter they get. So, in that that baby screams. It's yeah. a good. It's a good good rig. Uh, so I'll you know you'll you'll hear more of that. Good. <laughs> yeah. So Chris, I'm I'm really happy that you're you're getting back. Um, here in Columbus, where you you are from, in the Westerville area, obviously is where you're from. Mm -hmm. um, where did music find you? Where did you find music in the Westerville area? I didn't. I uh, when I when I moved, I went to. I was always into music, but there was not really any bands or anything in Westerville when I was growing up. So when I got out of high school, I went to music business school in Atlanta, and. Uh, I was, you know, I had a bunch of records and all that stuff. I was really into the music part. I never thought I'd play music, but I met a guy named uh, Murray Silver Jr., who had just written Great Balls of Fire, the book, and he was my teacher at this school, and he taught us the history of popular music. 
And he set me on a wild ride, you know. I mean, not just the music, but he also introduced me to an artist in France. And I moved to France like six months later and lived there uh, in Vence, France, above uh, Nice for about a year. And then came back and worked for a count countess at a chateau as a gardener for six or eight months. And then I came back and... Uh, my buddy Kyle, who runs Lost Weekend Records here in town, he met me at the airport in Atlanta. I called him from, I think it was Iceland, and said, I'm going to be back in Atlanta at this time. And he's like, I'll meet you there. I got tickets for WrestleMania. <laughs> so <That's laughs> he cool. literally picked me up at the airport. We went to WrestleMania and then went back to this house after. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then when I got back to Columbus, I started working at Ticketmaster. And ran in. I met Steve Dodge, and uh, my next door neighbor was a guy named Steve Anderson, who was in "I'm Was Stupid" here in town, which is a great pop band if you never heard him. And uh, so he was my next door neighbor, and he was playing guitar one day. I went over there, and he's like, "You want to sing?" And I was like, "Sure." And uh, he's like, "Well, you didn't suck that bad, man. So if you want to come back, you know, with the other guys next week, you can." And then we put together. They, they the other guys left and. We put together a band from Ticketmaster and Steve, and it uh, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. So it was your first. It was your first kind of band jam, uh, yeah. buddy. You know. Yeah. G Spot Tornadoes. G Spot Tornadoes. Got yeah. gotta love that. So were you playing campus? Were you playing? We were playing High Street. Where yeah, I was kind of a like a Ronald Cole barbed wire dolls groupie. I used to hang to their go to their practices and hang out, and so. Um. We were on campus, and I, I lived at Stashes pretty much, and was working at Ticketmaster. And we went to, like, there's a big crew of us at Ticketmaster. We went to everything together, and uh, we uh, started playing in his basement. And then we had a party when the house that I was living in had been sold, so we had to leave. So I put up posters on the walls, and we brought invited a hundred people. And, <laughs> Had a, had a three or four bands in the living room. A, had a house rocking. Yeah, well, it was John Coffey's house. Oh wow! <laughs> big circle. That is a big circle. Yeah, it back to Westerville. There we go. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, and then yeah, I did that, and then we that kind of splintered off, and there's another G Spot Tornadoes with uh, the same bass player George Caliph and Ken Massey, who we lost a couple of years ago. And Jesse McNamara, who's in the Moon Bats, and who's also in the Everly Brothers band. I mean, this was he was nineteen or twenty when he was. We were playing together, so yeah. very lucky to have him in there. And then we got the a Jim Carroll gig, where uh, there used to be a place called the Dell, and uh, I used to put up posters for him, and they let me go to the shows for free and give me a meal. So. Jim Carroll came and I met him and you know I was like next time Jim Carroll comes man we gotta you gotta give me that gig you know? sure so Les calls me up he's like Jim's coming uh, here's his phone number he wants you to tell me what songs you want to play and he'll play what you ask him to oh cool so I called him up and I was in touch with him and I was his chauffeur when he came to town and we did our uh, our show and we got to this song called Dry Dreams that um, we had done a cover of and I gave him a copy last time he was there and right before we did the song he's like wait a minute you know I, gave, they, I got a copy of this from them last time they were here and my friends like it better than my version so we're going to do their version of my song and he sang my version of his song so that was pretty fucking that's cool that's very cool dude very cool he was my hero yeah all my heroes are junkies so <sighs> Well, well, you know, you you move forward, right? You yeah. just keep moving forward. Yep. And that's what you're doing now, man, right? Yep. And yeah, I think you're in a great path. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I went up Tucson for a couple of years, and I really needed to clear my head out. Sure. I think I did that. It's good to be back and back with all my friends. Right on. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, and now I'm just I'm itching for this march. Me too. This March show. Me too. To see you guys again because everyone's kind of 
gone their you know their Different. their Tucson way, so to speak. Like well, it's right? been seven years since we played. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. But, you know, everyone has, um, you know, Cox and Spitfire still oh, yeah. playing together. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, to see Ronnie playing yeah. right, guitar will be, um, that'll be, that'll be awesome. Well, he's doing in, that Everly, in you. He, he's doing the Lightning Express Everly Brothers show with uh, Jesse McNamara. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, they, they did a show with Albert Lee here at Natalie's, and I guess Albert played with them. That's really cool. Because he was the Everly Brothers musical director for the last five years they were together or something. Well, you know, that's that's awesome to hear. I mean, um I, I, I try to keep up with a lot, um, but it's 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 impossible to oh. stay in touch with everyone. But you know, Ronnie's someone I'd I'd love to to have here and get his you know, his his perspective on on his music journey. Yeah. He's he's really been a killer presence. He's one of those less is more guys, man. He's, oh yeah. I mean he I learned a lot just watching him play. Yeah. 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 He's he's just he's just a natural. Right. Makes it look easy. <laughs> you know, and he's just like, ooh, man, like yeah. where'd that come from? I've seen him not even be not even be awake and play like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, but I've seen it. Yeah. Well, Maybe it's coming this spring for you too. <laughs> no, uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. A late night. <laughs> um, so you know, through the nineties and the in the two thousands, you don't have to name them all, but you know, there, you've had quite a bit of music we, that you've hit, right? We did. Uh, I was also in a band called Broken Circle Gospel Deluxe, which was uh, we were kind of a tongue in cheek rock and roll gospel band. With I played mandolin in that, and we had a. Kyle was also in that band, and uh, he, he his dedicated instrument was a Hobart uh, mixer, so he would hang on that one, you know. Uh, but we got to play with like uh, Elvis, the Mexican Elvis, and uh, at the Beachland Ballroom, and uh, Mojo Nixon, and a couple, you know, Mojo didn't like it that we were doing religious, and he was pissed off. <laughs> but uh, it it was a lot of fun. It was like one of the most fun musical experiences and I think everybody dug it because everybody was laughing and having a good time every time, you know. And I do have a 21 song recording that we did with Yorma Kalkin, but I don't know if I'm allowed to let it out. Um, How do you find out? Do you have to call him up and say, hey I, man. No, I got, Yorma says it's okay, <laughs> but the the band leader, I have to make sure that he's cool with me yeah. giving it out. But yeah, I think he will be after all this time. I'm not going to say his name or okay. put, put any pressure on him. No, no, but <laughs> hopefully you'll, you'll take yourself up on contacting him and yeah, you know, it's, moving forward with that. I have a copy of it all. It's, it's a, uh, we, and we also did a record, the Boba Hotep. I was in Boba Hotep too. And we were Boba Hotep like I don't know, four years before the record came, before the movie came out. The guy who wrote Boba Hotep is a friend of mine and, I wrote him a note and asked him if we could use the name to the to the story, you know. And he wrote back to the Bubba Hotep Two Step. So I wrote a, a song called the Bubba Hotep Two Step. Nice. Um, and we got to open up for Jim Carroll with him too, with Bubba Hotep Two. It was a good, good fun. And what what venue were, were these? Uh, the Dell was the first mm. Bubba Hotep, and, or the first Jim Carroll, and then Bubba Hotep was at Little Brothers with Jim Carroll. And these are all High Street. Chelsea, like we did north, a lot of Chelsea stuff. Short too. North Columbus, a little north of that. Yeah, north we, Columbus. The G-Spots did more like Chelsea's, hmm. um, Crazy Mamas, which was a, always fun to play in. Uh, or just what, be in. Or just walk in and see Charlie Wonder standing at the door, you know. What made Crazy Mamas a favorite for you? It was, you just be yourself. You know, I mean, nobody... There's so many freaks in there, you could just be anybody you wanted to be, you know, and everybody at the bar was cool. And, you know, like I said, Charlie Rock was like a rock and roll guy that, you know, you never saw his eyes, so you never knew. Always leaning there, and, you know, he, it was just an interesting place to be, and um, I saw the cramps there, I saw blasters there, and, you know, and we got to play there in the same place where they did, and it was like, you know, I still got pictures of that you know, somewhere. That's really cool. 
It's, it was, yeah, I mean, I got to, I, I miss all that stuff on High Street. It's, from from it's stashes to. Very yeah. different scene now. I saw everybody in stashes from John Lee Hooker to Nirvana, you know, in, in a 150C club. It was, it was as sad as gone. Yeah, so you've kind of you kind of performed and hung out that whole high street strip, you know, through the what what which decades? Primarily? It was probably eighty eight till two, maybe. Well, I got shot in two thousand one, so till about two thousand three. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I go to those shows myself. Mm-hmm. Even the um, what's now um, Shrunken Head or right. uh, Victorian Midnight Cafe. Before right. that, um, I think it's a different name now. Even, um, but I still, uh, I still love the Shrunken Head. Oh yeah, yeah. Place. Those were those are great great places to plug in and you know just transform the vibe. I used to go to Chelsea's all the time. I mean, that was a great place. Uh, you know, south, farther south across from the White Castle down there on 2nd 1st. And I spent a lot of time in that place. Stashes and Little Brothers, all those, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, I know you've recorded a lot over the years. Some that you haven't talked about. You have recordings. <laughs> right. Um, do you have any public that folks can listen to there's there's some on uh, reverb nation i think um i got some kind of notification i'm in the top 10 on reverb nation in columbus for singer songwriters right now um and then there's another one called number one music that i have some stuff on and i think there's some on apple under reverend seabard love and chris are are you uh, a um an ordained re- reverend Yes, through the uh, Universal Life Church. It, yeah, it takes five minutes on the internet. Well, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, so, but you are a re- you are Reverend is a a true yes title for you. I think I wanted to do it because of Reverend Gary Davis. Plus, my grandpa was a pr- preacher, but he never went by Reverend. Well, some, and some of the the rockabilly guys are right Reverends, right? Right. But uh, Yorm always calls Reverend Gary Davis the Rev. And I just thought that was too cool. That's very cool. So, <laughs> so you picked up on that, right. kind of borrowed that concept, and applied it to yourself. Yep. <laughs> and uh, C. Barton Love actually stands for Cheney, which was my mom's maiden name, and then Barton and Love was my grandma's maiden name. So. Oh, beautiful. Good for you. Yep. So it's uh, not Chris, really, on that. It but really isn't Chris. On, on that, on the C. Barton okay. Love part, it's not. Because I call you, I know you as Chris. Right. That's what most people know me as, or asshole. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> been a lot. No, I mean, I, I don't think there's any rules. Matter of fact, on your episode, I'm going to put the E for explicit language. Okay. So don't worry. You got The important thing, man, know that this is about you. Okay? And then also that you just got to be yourself. Well, then I don't know how not to cuss. So <laughs> I'm just telling you. I don't trust people that don't cuss. <laughs> Eventually. I mean, even you met Beth. Yeah. Okay. Beth, the little swear word will come out of Beth now and then too. And then when she does, I, I, I have to take pause because it's probably something I did. <laughs> I don't want her to be upset. Right. <laughs> well, she's never, she's rarely, rarely upset. But as I said, if she is, it's usually something that I did. <laughs> I take responsibility. Right. I try to fix it, make it right. You know, that's good. It's well, you live and you learn, you know, you try to do your best. That's all you can do. Yep. When you, when you hit my age, which you haven't yet, um, you, you hopefully become a little wiser, you know, you, you've, you've learned a bit and you adjust and you, you know, try to make, make your life as good as you can I'm for trying not to. just yourself, but who you come across. And that includes you right. and this experience. I mean, I just want you to have a great time. Yeah. There's, I mean, and, um, like I said, I got shot in 2001 at a pawn shop. It was a gang initiation. They came in to kill us. But after that, it was like, uh, you get like X-ray, X-Men powers of perception of 
people and, and what's happening and everything around you. <laughs> it's do amazing. You, do you want to talk about what happened there? Um, sure. Uh, 2001. I was working at Lev's Pawn Shop and I was substituting up on Hudson Street. And I'd been there, I think I'd been working for Lev's for about a month. And we came, went to lunch, came back, and these kids came in with uh, another guy. And we were standing at the counter trying to help them, and they were spread out. And I heard a gun go off, and I turned my head, and they, they had shot the guy next to me through the face. And I, when I turned my head, he shot me through the neck. And it almost went through. It stopped in the back right back here. Um, and somehow, I, I'm still walking and talking. And uh, so they jumped over the counter and beat on us a while. And the guy who got shot through the face got up somehow and pushed the panic button. And they had taken buttons off our neck. They thought they thought it were the panic buttons, which that opened the door and they let another customer in. So it was all just... And one had a 9mm and one had a 380, and they put the wrong magazines in their guns, so they only had one shot apiece. So that's why they were beat. You know, they, they couldn't shoot us. That, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a lower operator. It was a gang initiation for the short North Posse. Wow. So they had been scouting pawn shops the day before, and they decided they were going to do this one. Wow. So, but they caught them coming out the back door, um, about 20 feet out the back door, I'd say. And I was in the emergency room for about, six hours and they sent me home <laughs> really yeah. so the is the bullet still lodged in your neck? i had it taken out and then i had a necklace made out of it that i lost oh. which must have been karma maybe i wasn't supposed to keep that bullet, you know so. yeah let but, let that go yeah let the experience go well it's always going to be with you but it, it, it's it, it's easier it. it's easy to get but every my, my daughter was born three years to the day to the hour that I got shot and came out looking at me. She came out of my, my wife. <laughs> so I've always got that image too because it's, you know, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't get to talk to them very much. So, yeah, yeah, man. It's so all good. It's kind of hooked together. I never, after she was born, I'm like, why do I know that day? Oh, you know, yeah, that's why. Man. <laughs> Yeah, what an experience, and I and I, there's pictures of that I've seen. You know, yeah, my dad took a picture in the in the emergency room when I was there. Yeah, that's the only picture of it. And the the expression that you had, <laughs> that was I was flipping yeah. off the the people that tried to kill me. And I, I lived, you know. You're still here. Yep, and you're here today. And I, that ring is right there in the picture. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, man. I mean, it kind of sent me down a weird path. But. Well, I think it would it would set anyone down a strange path. Yeah, you know. Um, but we're glad you're here, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was a close call. Um, well, I haven't had a drink for ten years now. So. Yeah. Well, November first, and like I said, I'm going to get my uh, human skull ten year chip. So. As a commemorative uh, reminder. Yep. Of your sobriety. 30 bucks a year, it ain't bad. You know? No, it's not. <laughs> no. Um, congratulations oh, on your sobriety, you. man. That's, that's, that's good. I'm that's sure a good I'm, milestone. I'm sure a lot of people never thought that would happen, including me, but I finally... And, but here you are, man. Yeah. You know? I live in Tucson. I live 100 feet from a liquor store, so I figured if I could make it through that, I could, in COVID, in the liquor store, then I could make it through. So Bless you. <laughs> Bless you, man. Yeah. Good for you. Yep. It was... I don't miss it. Well, it's powerful that you're here. Yeah, I wouldn't have been here if I would have kept drinking. That's for sure. Yeah. Or stayed married. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're, you're healthy. Okay. You're here. You're going to yeah. be making some music. Yep. That's most. I'm. I'm really looking forward to doing that. It's been. This has been too long. It's know? been a long time, man. It's been I, a long time. Yeah. And I got to when I was, you know, when we were in the juice box tornadoes and all that. I got to meet Robbie Brumfield, who was a force in this town for a long, long time, and he passed away um, from alcoholism. And uh, uh, but that guy, I mean, 
and he he touched a lot a lot of people you know and even when i went down and i recorded i went with kyle and we recorded with yorma kalkin down at the fur peace ranch and even though yorma was there robbie still came down to produce our stuff because we just trusted him you know so he got to hang out with yorma and who was it was it the gentleman on Saturday Night Live? No, G.E. Smith. Yeah. No, G.E. We just saw him a couple weeks ago um, at, at the Fur Peace Ranch. And he is just... A, he and Yorma... He's, he's a giving heart. Oh, he, he's As the is most, Yorma, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just talked, you know, and we went down for sound check because we were allowed to. And we were just talking gear. You know, he was showing me all his stuff and... I was 54 Firebird. Some guy gave it to me for dinner one night, man. And, uh, and he had a 53 Deluxe. That, and then he got, to, he had this thing, man, called a brown box. I'm losing, I'm losing your audio. Called a brown box. Oh. And it, for vintage amps or tube amps, since all the computers and stuff now, the voltage is like 120 something instead of being 110 or 112 like it's supposed to be. And this regulates it back and it sounded, I mean, it was like God coming out of that ant man with his tone. Oh, tone for it days. was dripping. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow! And Vintage is where it's at. Yeah. It really is. But there's people that can. You don't, emulate, you don't have to you can pay. emulate it today, though, through through computers and and all these modelers. Like well, the and thing stuff. I was telling you about earlier was that tone right thing. Uh, it it's a machine you put on your strings at the bridge, and you let it shakes your guitar for days as many days as you want to leave it, it on there it just shakes your guitar it, at the bridge mm. it's it simulates years of playing through the vibrations you know and it it just expands the tone you know i don't care if it's acoustic electric whatever it is if you can not play your guitar for seven to two hours you know or you have enough guitars where you can you know it's they're, they're incredible things man so and what's it called tone right Tone right, and it's just it's a box that to just kind of adhere. How's it adhere? No, you don't even plug it. It just goes in between the strings. There's like three things. You stick it in between the strings at the bridge, and then you turn it on and you put it to the intensity you want, and you leave it alone. And it just shakes. You you don't hear it. You you know it's like, but they work. I mean, they're, it, for a hundred bucks, it'll make you a vintage guitar. It, and it can it can it just it opens up the instrument. Right. Yeah. Wow. Because over time, the, the cells break down in the wood. And that vibration is one of the things that helps that do that. So if you can, you know, speed that up. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I didn't know anything like that. Yeah, it's real cool. Even existed. Yeah. For right. geeks, that's why are we geeks? <laughs> I, I'm on top of the gear that I can't afford. So. <laughs> oh, man. I don't go too crazy on gear, but I, I do have nice gear and I appreciate everything that, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've bought over the years. I, um, I, I like a lot of different, um, guitars and, and amplifiers. And like I said, I mean, people like yourself got me really, really in tune to, you know, tube amplification. Right. And it's hard, hard for me to get away from that again. I'm a six V six P90 guy. So those are my, that's my combo that I just love. And I take out the AX7 and put in an AU7 instead of a 12 AX7 on the on the preamp side. Yeah. So yeah. an AU's a hundred times less than a. They're not as jagged. They're more rounded sounding. And I got a whole bunch of them out of a Heath kit amp, a bunch of like old Muller tubes that are like 200 bucks a piece that I couldn't afford, but I found them. So lucked I, out on that on that haul. That's like yeah. a treasure chest. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I still got a couple. So if you need, if you got a single input uh, power or preamp. Um, I, I think my, I think my tube, I have a couple of them, but they, they, that no singles. Right. They're all like three, like a three way right. entrance. Yeah. This, they're all AX7s. Right. There, there might be a different one in there. There might be, you know, I'll have to look into that. I wouldn't want to take any of your treasure. Well, no, I mean, I've got a few. I've, I've picked out the one that I plugged them all in. And I, you know, and I, oh, I got you. So if I, if I ever see two amps at a thrift store or anything like that, I'm 
or tubes, I mean, not tube amps, but I'll look for the ones that, and if I know which ones are British, what the British 12X7, E34, or 84, you know, so you can do it that way. That's cool. And some of those are worth more than my car, you know, if you can find it. So there's some, especially for the high end stereo equipment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, are you focusing currently on vocals or are you also playing an instrument? Oh, I'm playing guitar. Two? Okay. Yeah. Right now I got, a, I just bought a new, uh, Epiphone Excellente. Um, beautiful, solid wood guitar. If you not buying Epiphones and you're buying Gibsons, you're making a mistake. So, I mean, I had a buddy of mine, Mr. Bob Saul's the king of blues here in Columbus. Uh, he got two Gibsons. I enjoy his shows. Oh, he's great. I don't see enough of him. He's a, he's a force around town too. Mm-hmm. You know? So him and John Coleman and Steve Wildman Wald. Uh, if you get a chance, go out and check them out. But he had two Gibsons that he bought the two acoustics recently. And he said, every time he had to take them out of the case, they had to adjust the truss rod, which is just not, that means they didn't cure the wood. The neck was, So and it's trouble down the line. And I worked at Sweetwater and that was the worst line of guitars that we had in the whole shop. Wow. Dan Electors were better than Gibson's for quality. Gotcha. You know, for what's going on there. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Buy there's a lot of great luthiers and you can get a lot of guitar for your money a lot of different places right now. So don't Pri- you private know, private builders? Well, not just that, but there's like a lot of mid-level guitars that Ibanez makes great guitar. Yamaha. Any Yamaha you buy will be good. You know, I mean, I've had good luck with Yamahas. My son plays a Yamaha acoustic, right? And um, he he loves it. He's been playing it since he was like twelve. I think yeah. it was a birthday present one the, year. The, I played one of the red label. It's just a cleanest looking guitar you could ever hear and I took it up at and they're 1200 bucks and I, it sounds like thunder you know and it's just mahogany and I guess they treat the wood like it's a, kind of the same thing they can do with an acoustic guitar they take the moisture out of the wood in a kiln and then they charge you 150 200 bucks more yeah. you know so it's a there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in guitars that makes them sound better that's and it makes them cheaper. Some more sustainable woods too, you know, because a lot of stuff's going away. Mahogany's even going away. Yeah, a lot is going away. It's amazing. Yep. Wow. But you know, you love music. Yep. It's in your soul. Did it come? Did it come? Did it come uh, at all um, from different influences as as the years progressed for you, or um, are you still fundamentally? You know, I was just pissed off all the time when, when I started the Jesus about tornadoes and when my dad, I mean, my dad turned me on to tons of good music, you know, that I listen to now still John Hartford, uh, the seldom seen, uh, electric flag, uh, MC five, you know, I can remember there used to be a record store in Westerville and a comic book store mm-hmm. behind the Calico cupboard. And he, we lived right across the street and he gave me five bucks once and said, go get me that record that has the Zeppelin exploding on the front of it. And he's like, I was like, I don't want the Zeppelin. And he's like, you'll know, just ask the guy, man, he'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> so. Led Zeppelin one. Yeah. And you put it on the turntable. Oh no, I didn't listen to it then. I, I mean, I, I, the first record I ever bought was, uh, the sweet desolation Boulevard. Oh, sweet. With bull with ballroom blitz. And, oh gosh. Cause I, uh, it was like, my dad's like, I was like, who sings ballroom blues? He's like, either kiss or sweet. And I, I was a big kiss fan after that. But, uh, yeah, that was my first record I ever bought with my own money. I have ballroom blitz on a 45. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I bought it at the same store, dude. Yeah. It was either that store or, um, the Buckeye Mart. It was buzzard's nest on high. I got mine at buzzard's nest on, on, uh, someone 61. Okay. And, uh, 
and I used to work at the National Record Mart in Westerville when I was in high school. At the Gold Circle Mall? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was there for quite a while. Kyle, me and Kyle both. Man, I was I, I was in that store all the time. I mean, that, that, that store collected a lot of cash for me, but I got a lot of good stuff out of there. Do you remember Freeman, the guy that with red hair that used to run the place? The... Man, I don't. I really didn't have a relationship with anybody. I mean, I probably was there. When I was there. I was a little older, though, than you guys. I was... I mean, I know who Kyle is, yeah. and I and I love vinyl. And right. Beth and I have a nice little vinyl collection. But but um, uh, I, I never, I don't think I've ever met Kyle. Oh, really? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, we've known each other since third grade. And you're playing music now, right? We're we're not playing music. We we play. We we're always doing something. We went down to the G. Smith show together, and Kyle's part of the family of Yorma Kalkinen's family. You know, he okay. He's been down there and. And we went to the first camp together that they ever did, which was 25 years ago. And now they're kind of rolling down the camp. So it was cool that we got to do a couple shows. I, I went to a songwriting class with Steve Earle there. He didn't, That's sweet. He didn't teach me anything. Really? He was dick. Oh, man. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, I don't edit anything. <laughs> I don't care. Steve Earle, you're a dick. Oh, <laughs> The phones are ringing, man. Yeah, it's cool. The phones are ringing. I, I told you, I'm opinionated, <laughs> and I had to pay 1800 bucks to sit there and listen to him be a dick for oh, three days. Well. But you can cut that part out if you want. No, I can't. I don't, well, I don't edit. I don't edit. <laughs> but I was down there with the same weekend. It was uh, G.E. Smith was there. Just came off the wall tour. And Yorma was there. And then uh, there's a guy named Dick Boak who used to run, was the main... Would buy her and everything for Martin, and it was like their, their historian and stuff. And he came and they did a Martin presentation, and it was it was an amazing weekend. That's but, cool. But Steve so, some didn't good really stuff. Have to, yeah, good stuff came out. He didn't really have much to do with the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that really go for for you there with with Steve? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, well, I mean, GE played on stage with me. You know, I yeah. fucking who cares what Steve Earl thought? I got to play with GE Smith. You know. Now, when when was that? Um, it, ten years ago. Ten. Okay. Yep. And so I was on a un- few years before you went west. And here's how nice the people are for Peace Ranch. I was mm-hmm. on unemployment, and they let me pay them fifty bucks a week oh, to wow. pay off my tuition. Good for you. And I did it. I started a long time ahead of time. But I mean, that's how nice those. I mean, they're working with you. Well, they're just your, they're just your, nice pas- your passion. Well, Yorma and Vanessa, uh, Cal. Conan are just the nicest people you could ever think of. Right? That's good to hear. Yeah. Yep. It's a it, it's a place where you can when you get down to the to that ranch. It's just like you're everything else is gone. You know, you're just in a different world. It's really neat. Yeah. So, do you have plans to to do that for Peace Ranch in no, the future? They, they're not. I don't think they're going to be doing classes there. They had 18 cabins, and you would stay there and they would have food and they just don't have all that facilities after COVID. And, you know, and, and Yorma gives a class every Tuesday, I think online. And, uh, where's it located at Pomeroy, Ohio, a little bit in the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not so far since it's not so far in the hills since, uh, they put the overpass, you know, the, the bypass in, but it used to take like hour and a half to get there just because you had to go through curvy roads and stuff at least an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And now it's only an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. So That's cool. Yeah. But it, yeah. I've been very lucky in music and meeting people. And, you know, I met most of my heroes. And uh, I was going through my ticket collection just a couple days ago. And uh, when, I went, when I saw when I got to meet Dave Edmonds and... Richard Thompson, those are two of my musical heroes. Dave Evans is my favorite guitar player ever and probably always will be, you know. And you're fortunate. Yeah. Buddy Miller, I got to meet him. He's one of my he's my contemporary favorite guitar player. Oh man. You know, it's the And I was supposed to go, He he toured with Robert Plant right, and we, the band of Joy. I was supposed to go with you. You were I, supposed to come with me. And I couldn't go. I had third row seats, like third row right. in center for the band of joy. Right. Right down right down the street here. Um Robert Plant, but but buddy 
his his rig was amazing. Right. That you short. Know. Yes. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget, I went down to Billy Spitfire's basement one time. He said, man, come over Billy's and let's jam. So I go over and there's one of those sword amps. Oh, really? Like sitting in the center of Bill's basement of, you know, maybe... 10 other vintage amplifiers oh, they're that all are around the edges wall, of the room yeah the basement walls man and there's your amp like on this pedestal you're like plug in i was like oh shit and i just i picked up a telecaster obviously right and i just remember jamming on that amp. it was really fun to play that amp. and it, i took it down to swamp dog music which is beyond high street and a guy heard it and gave me what i paid for it and a 1966 Princeton reverb for that amp. Yeah. So I I gave it up quick. I don't, I don't think I had it in a month. Wow. Um, well, you cashed in. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a bad trade. No. And I when I had to sell the Fender, I got more than I expected out of that too. And unfortunately, I, I wish I didn't have to sell it. It was a nice black face. It was beautiful. You seem to do well with with getting like really specific mostly vintage does you know engineered you know at a minimum but but there's um you got a great eye for that i'm cheap and that that's cheap doesn't mean you know but you if you're quality. cheap you can find stuff that other people miss mm. because you know i'm a thrift store music store junkie you know pawn shops used to be so let's talk about the um the campbell american connection oh yeah um, Swamp Dogs was a dealer and I ordered I was looking for this Bill Nelson Bill Nelson Nelsonic and I'm, he had just started the shop and he was looking for you know guitars to bring in there that weren't Fenders and Gibsons and stuff like that because it costs a lot of money to have a license with this guy you know so he was a small shop and I was like well I want one of these man he's like it was 2500 bucks, which is a ton of money. So he ordered it, and it came in, and it was it was a masterpiece, you know. And all his guitars were masterpieces, actually. And so he started a dealership, and I had a whole bunch of them. And I was, after I bought, like, four or five of them, Dean's like, man, why don't I just endorse you and put you on the website, man? Because, you know. And so I was on there with Bill Nelson and... Reeves Gabrell and all these guys that way out of my league, you know, and, and the Reverend, <laughs> it was C Barton love. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it was, it was cool. Dean, he was, a, he, he was a guy I talked to on the phone. He would call me up. He was like, man, I got this piece of limba, you know, he'd tell me about the fucking wood that he had, or, you know, then you, you gotta have this man. I went to, I went, with Paul Reed Smith and Gibson and all these dudes. And I picked out this and he, but his guitars were like, he would build the neck first and build the body around it. And you could take the screws out of the neck of that guitar, any of his guitars and swing them around in a circle. And that neck would not come out of that joint. And they were, that's the reason they are what they are, you know? Um, and they just, they were just too expensive to build. He wasn't making any money anymore, you know, so. You know, there's a few of those guitars, though, you know, yeah. being played still. Oh, yeah. That are out there. Yeah. They're, they're well made. Oh, yeah. They're beautiful guitars that I got. That, like, the Custom Paisley one, that, you know, we both had. To, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that, that Custom Paisley that you're talking about, the pink Custom Paisley, you had acquired, um, it was made, I think, uh, for one of the um, guitar shows, yeah, the Montreal guitar show, yeah, Montreal guitar show, and um, it, you ended up getting that guitar, right? I was buying when I was on the road buying uh, antiques and collectibles for a company. I was didn't have any you know, like any bills, and I was just like, well, fuck, I'm buying that guitar, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I waited for like I think I had to wait for a little while because of something was going on with the guitar for the guitar show that he had to take pictures or something and then yeah i picked it up at swamp dogs and i think it took me six months to pay it off but <laughs> i remember when russ I was, was a great guy yeah he, he still is a great guy yeah. but but as a, as a business owner he was he was very um very workable oh yeah guy and he's 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 still in town he works at buckeye pond down on high street 
South, oh, cool. South High. I'm going to stop and see him then. Yeah, say hi. Yeah. I, um, but, the, you know, that particular guitar, I remember um, walking into the Guitar Center on Morse Road, and I stopped in my tracks because that guitar was just hanging in the used guitars. Nobody knew what that thing was. Yep. And I said, I need to see that guitar. And so the guy got in the ladder, pulled it down, and I looked at the price tag, and it was like 600 bucks. Oh, geez. And I was like, let me plug it in. Um, and I played it, and the neck was straight. It was great shape. And I said, I'm going to give you 500 bucks for it, and I'll walk out. And they said, okay. So we made a deal. Right. With every intention to get this guitar back in your hands, Chris. and you did too. <laughs> yeah. uh, me and that my, made me feel good to do that. Yeah, it made me. Well, you saw me and I. But Guitar Center didn't know how to price it. They didn't know what they had. They should have known because I worked there. And I said, dude, this was this was made for the Montreal. I think the 2011 Montreal yep. Guitar Show. Yep. This guitar. And yeah, and he and I just paid it. I just paid 500 bucks for it. Thank you very much. There wasn't a case for it. And that's what I'm talking about. There's so many people out there building great stuff, but it, it, you can't resell it. You know, if, if, if you're going to buy something like that, you know, you got to either do a little bit of research. Yeah. Because Dean's guitars now, you know, $1,500. Right. And when they were new, they were 4000 Right. Them, you know, so it's like... Quality's there. Right. And I'll say this as we as we wrap up episode twenty five, the quality's in you, Chris. Thank you very much. You too. The quality is in you, man. We, I'm looking forward to the music that's coming over the next couple of years. Me too. This is going to be different. This is the, the next thing before the Devil's Pair is going to be a totally different thing for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yep. All right, man. Well, um, I think that's a wrap for episode twenty five on Columbus Local Podcast. The Reverend. C. Barton Love. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. Peace. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.